sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that can throw a strawberry through a battleship because he's just that strong. He is the captain. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. We are drinking Little Heaven Sessions IPA by Two Roads Brewing Company in Stratford, Connecticut. Garage grade. Let's do it. Four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. This is a session IPA in a can made with three exotic hops. Lots of great citrus fruit flavors here. And finishes with just enough toasted malt character to balance this baby out. And Little Heaven was brought to us by Destiny in Nashville. And we also have Lee in Collierville, Tennessee. And a big shout out to Rochelle and Brian from Memphis. Let's go up north and give a cheers to our friend Kimberly in Sterling, Ontario. And a big cheers, mates, to Chad in Greenwood, Indiana. And last but not least, we go over the pond and thank Christine from Maidstone, Kent, UK. Thanks, everybody, for filling up the fridge for this week's shows. If you want to help us out with next week's shows, go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the Donate button. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff, at TrueCrimeGarage. All right, Captain, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Billy Smolinski was 31 years old when he disappeared, and he was last seen on August 24th, 2004. Now, Billy's family was the first and always the driving force behind the search for their son and brother. Within days, as we had mentioned, the family brought in search dogs. They organized their own search party of 200 people. Later, they hired private investigators. 
Billy's mother started the Justice for Billy website, spending hours daily checking messages, emails, and following up on correspondence. Maybe the most baffling part of this investigation is the missing persons flyers themselves. And let's go through this, Captain, because this is a weird one. Mm -hmm. Determined to find leads, the Smolensky family paid the New Haven Register $1,200 to print 20,000 flyers that were to be distributed in, uh, in all throughout the local area. The flyers advertised a $15,000 reward for information leading to Billy's recovery and had a photo of Billy and a description. The family printed a few thousand more flyers later for distribution and displayed them in restaurants, businesses, public areas around the state. A big batch of these flyers were going to go, they were going to be stuffed into newspapers. Okay, so anybody that subscribed to that newspaper, they're going to receive a flyer inside their newspaper, alerting them that somebody in their community is missing. Right. Uh, family members and friends, they began stapling flyers to utility poles in towns where Billy lived, worked, and businesses that he frequented. They also began posting flyers in and around Madeline's home and, and workplace. It's pretty clear that very early on, the Smolenskys believed that Madeline knew more than she was telling about what had happened to Billy. And that's Billy's recent ex-girlfriend. Yes, that he had caught cheating on him. In regards to their suspicions, well, best case scenario was that Madeline had innocently and unknowingly, she was withholding information that could prove crucial to finding Billy. Right. Worst case, she had something to do with it or knew who did. Mm-hmm. Now, we do know that she did refuse a polygraph test, and this contributed to the family's perception that not only was she not being helpful in the search, but she was also hiding something. Waterbury police, though, they say they don't consider Madeline to be a suspect, although their case notes indicate that they told her she could only be cleared by taking a polygraph test, which we do know that she refused. Right. So basically, she's saying... Don't clear me. Well, the Smolenskys, they began posting flyers all over the town of Woodbridge, which is not where Billy lived. This is near Waterbury. Yeah, this is Mm -hmm. near where Madeline lived. And Madeline, she kept moving around during this time. She was like staying with various friends and family. But it seemed like, at least to her anyway, that the posters and the flyers would follow her wherever she would go. Apparently, the family posted them along her bus route you know, where she worked. They posted them all over at the school, uh, in the area of the school where she drove to and from the posters were everywhere. I this mean, is what we're, what we know in the business has putting the heat on you. Well, the flyers made no mention of anyone, but Billy, you know, it was just simply a missing persons. It had his picture and his description. Okay. They did not in any shape, any form, point the finger to her or anyone else. But as you said, turning up the heat and likely intended to pressure her. What happened next was detailed in the Waterbury Observer in several lengthy feature articles about Billy's case. A month after Billy vanished, a good friend of the Smolensky family telephoned to tell them that she had witnessed a woman ripping down Billy's missing flyers 
off of utility poles in the in a nearby town. Mm. So the family friend wrote down the woman's license plate number and gave it to the family. Don't say it. The family figured out, they checked the plate number, and uh, they were stunned when the car turned out to be registered to Madeline. They weren't stunned. <laughs> well, here's the thing. What a bitch of Rooney Dooney. I actually, I actually think that they probably were stunned in for a couple of reasons. Even if they think she may have knew more than what she was telling the police, mm-hmm. I think that they thought, look, how... How brazenly stupid do you have to be to be running around town tearing down these posters, first of all? And then second of all, look, one of their suspicions was that maybe she unknowingly was not being helpful in the investigation. Maybe unknowingly and innocently she was not providing information to police. Well, it seems like she does know something, and I think that she got some confidence when the police said that she's not a suspect and now maybe the police now just to play devil's advocate and, and, and be a little blue blood here, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe the cops were saying, Hey, let's say that she's not a suspect and maybe we'll catch her doing something. Right. You know what I mean? You, you never know how they're playing their hand. Sometimes they want to say, Hey, let's turn up the heat. Let's say that she's a suspect. Maybe she'll then start talking or maybe let's back off a little bit and see if she does something stupid. Well, the family starts driving around. They're going to visit places that they've put up all these flyers. And this is several towns, Captain. It's not like they just put them on the street where she lives, the street where she works, and on her bus route, and that's it. Mm. They they put these babies all over town in several towns. So they start driving around to see what's going on, and they found that in several of these towns mm-hmm. that the Missing flyers have been ripped down, tore down. Some of them remained up, but they were disfigured. And on some of them, even more odd, someone had wrote on some of them, who cares, across them in Sharpie. Mm. According to the family, the only places where the posters were being tore down or vandalized were in the areas near where this woman lived and worked. Right, it could be her. It also could be friends and families of her where they feel like uh, maybe she's being harassed by these posters by some some way, somehow these posters are harassing her. Well, the family, Billy's family, decided they were going to replace all the missing posters and all of the defaced posters as well. Not only did they replace them, but they decided they were going to keep an eye on their missing persons flyers. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they witnessed Mad- they witnessed Madeline and her teenage son pull up to a utility pole and rip down a poster. Then later they videotaped a similar incident. And think about this bullshit. Okay. Here's what pisses me off is that you have this guy, this hard worker, Billy, he's going to take your ass in, right? You, Mm -hmm. you have five kids. You have one kid living with you. He's saying, I care about you. I care about your kid. I want you to come live with me. And you're having a relationship behind his back. Fine. But then after the fact that he goes missing, you know, for a year, year and a half, uh, you know, Billy's being some kind of a adult figure in your teenage boy's life. Mm-hmm. And now you're having him be accomplice and ripping down missing posters. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Well, and this is going to get, worse okay because basically what you're going to have here is 
a situation where the family's going to put up posters. She's going to tear them down. She's going to get her son involved. And later she'll get a friend of hers involved too. This is uh, Francis Vrabel. Now, so the family puts them up and then her and her friends and her son tear them down. And then the family puts them up again. Then they tear them down. They put them up. They tear them down. Mm -hmm. And throughout this, the family is going to set up these, I guess it's like a sting operation or whatever of, all right, we're going to put this poster up. Now let's sit back and see what happens to it. We're going to videotape her ripping them down or somebody that is friends with her ripping them down. Okay. Now you're the police. You have somebody that is not being cooperative enough to give you a lie detector Mm -hmm. test and now we have this individual that you saw, supposedly, you saw Billy the, the night before he went missing. This individual is ripping down the posters. You think that should become highly suspect. The family is going to present these videotapes, the tapes of her tearing down the posters. They take the tapes to the police and say, look what she's doing. And unfortunately, the police say, you know, we're sorry, but there's really nothing illegal about her ripping down the flyers. It's so, just common decency. They should arrest her on that. I don't, I don't know that that's a charge. But regardless, Billy's family, they're determined to get to the bottom of why this woman, her increasingly bizarre behavior, why she is doing what she is doing. and It's not bizarre behavior if you're guilty. Well, this would begin what the Waterbury Observer would end up calling a daily cat and mouse game. Again, the family going around, putting up posters, and her going around and continually pulling them down. At some point, there was some kind of altercation where, so she's tearing them down and they decide, all right, we're going to go up right behind her Mm -hmm. and put one up immediately afterwards. And, oh, I thought they were going like, to go up right when she's ripping it down and grab her butt. No, so... Gooser. What ended up happening was there's some kind of confrontation and some kind of dispute as to... She's going to say that they tried to put a staple in her hand. And the family's, <laughs> the family's going to claim, look, that happened because you stuck your hand up there as we were trying to put in the staple and you were trying to prevent us from putting up the next poster. And just think of your Billy's mom. Don't you just want to walk up to this lady and punch her in her bitch-ass mouth? Here's some problems. I understand their frustration, and I understand how angry they are and how angry they are with this situation and this woman. Mm -hmm. The problem is you're allowing this situation to take you away from the investigation, a potential bigger investigation, in my opinion, this, this kind of derails the whole thing. And again, keep in mind the family, as we said, is the driving force behind the search, the driving force behind the investigation. Now, every day they're waking up and they're occupied with this cat and mouse game of putting up posters and tearing them down. But don't you think that this confirm more so confirm their belief that, that Billy was met with foul play. I think this more confirmed their belief that Madeline was involved. Mm -hmm. And I think that they thought from the very get go that he was met with foul play. Mm -hmm. They never thought once that he harmed himself or took off on his own accord. And he was a tough guy. Had something minor happened to him. He would have returned by now. Mm -hmm. Something happened to him to the point where he's no longer with us. So is there anything more to do with this? We'll call it flyer gate. Yeah. Well, On April 4th, 2005, we have another 
situation of them putting up posters and her tearing them down Mm -hmm. or she's tearing them down and they're following behind her and putting them up. I'm uncertain which was happening on this day, but the result is that they both ended up at the police department. And I think the way that this works is that Madeline had drove to the police department. They follow her there and the Smolenskis, their thought is guess what? Now we get to confront her in front of police. So this is good. We'll follow her there. Right. Madeline's thought is I'm going to file charges against them for harassing me while I'm here. So once inside the police department, both Paula and Jan, the uh, sister and mother of Billy state that Madeline started taunting them and they thought that maybe she was trying to get them to lose their cool and, you know, smack her or something like that. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that appeared to have happened, but according to the Waterbury observer, which accessed a police report that was filed that day. The incident report states that Madeline complained that the Smolinskis had been smothering the areas along her bus route and in front of her residence, including areas around the bank that she goes to and the gym that she attended. Mm. Now, Madeline stated that she has been tearing down these posters because she felt harassed by their placement near her work and home and that she was being targeted by the family. Another officer reported that Jan had admittedly, she admitted to putting the flyers up wherever they knew Madeline went because she was, quote, trying to break Madeline Gleason. The police asked the Smolenskis to stop distributing flyers around her school where she worked, but they could continue to hang flyers around town. They should also stop videotaping her and her friend and her son tearing down the posters because videotaping them without them wanting to be videotaped could be considered harassment. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the Smolenskis though, the Woodbridge police agreed to let them go. Okay. If they didn't take the videotape of Madeline ripping down the posters to the media to which Jan agreed, but the truce was short lived because the Smolenskis consulted with an attorney who advised them that they had every right to hang posters near the school. Yeah, they do. And the following day after that meeting, this is on April 10th, Jan once again started hanging posters near the school. Two weeks later, the Woodbridge police called and asked Jan to come down to the Woodbridge police department. They had a couple of incidences they had to deal with. There's this man named Brad Cohen. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is of the B and B transportation. He had filed a complaint saying that someone had paintballed two of the school buses. Now these school buses were the ones driven by Madeline and by her friend, Fran Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Fran had also filed a statement saying that on April 15th, two weeks after the incident in the police department lobby, that she had seen Jan hanging posters on school property yeah. to, to which they end up arresting Jan. That's okay. Yeah. She's arrested for first degree harassment, disorderly conduct and trespassing. It seems like the police, it seems like they've wanted this situation to go away. This is an increasingly disturbing behavior. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with you, captain. And I hate to kind of go after a victim's family here, but I kind of see a little wrongdoing on both parts. Of course, um, yeah. I would. Well, but that's because you're thinking like an adult. 
but it's weird. It's weird to say this. It's like, I don't agree with their behavior, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I understand it. Yes. Their loved one is missing and they need answers. Well, and I think if you're the police department, you, you simply tell the ex-girlfriend, Hey, I'm sorry, but your ex-boyfriend went missing. He was, you know, seen with you. You had a relationship with him. The family has every right to plaster his uh, missing signs wherever they would like. You should be supportive and not rip these things down. You should be supportive and talk to the police. And then you state to the family, hey, if she does rip them down, don't film her. Don't make contact with her. Don't follow her. That's getting a little ridiculous. Spend your time getting the word out about your missing son. Spend the time on on collecting evidence. If you think that she is somewhat involved, you're going to find evidence somewhere else other than following her around and finding evidence of her ripping down signs. That's the only evidence you're going to find to help bring answers to your son's case. Well, Jan is processed and jailed only temporarily. And then her daughter, Paula, Billy's sister, says to the media, it was so backwards. The police tried to make us seem crazy, Mm -hmm. but we were just trying to find my brother, stating that the only arrest in this case so far was my mother. Right. And the media quickly took to having the family's backs here. And they said, you know, this does seem backwards. This does seem not right. Mm -hmm. That this situation of a missing child or missing grown man, but their child. Mm-hmm. And there's getting they're getting no answers other than one of them getting slapped with cuffs on. There's no way if I was a police officer, I'd be arresting anybody in Billy's family. Eventually, the charges against Jan were dismissed. This was when prosecutors determined that the case was without merit. Uh, amazingly, in a police interview dated August 5th, 2005, so... Well, after she had been videotaped taking down the flyers and after Jan's arrest, Madeline Gleason denied ever taking down the flyers. Of course she did. <laughs> right. Uh, here, here's what I want to know. Who does Madeline know in the police department or who does her uh, lover or the person that she was cheating on Billy with, Chris, who does he know at the police department? Uh, personally, I don't think that anybody has an in with the police. Mm-hmm. I don't really find the... It's difficult to say that I... Maybe it's just a bad judgment on the police. I think the police had to arrest someone. Mm-hmm. Because here's the problem. These two parties are making a problem for the police. They're making extra work for the police. This right. is stuff that the police should not have to deal with. This is like two children on a playground smacking each other. Agreed. I just... No. And I think the way I think the way that the police are thinking is, look, Smolensky family, we told you you could keep putting up your flyers all over town... And she was going to play it cool as long as you didn't put them around her school. They're kind of mediators right. at this point. Right. And then when they can, when they have a report that hey, the Smolenskys kind of went against their wishes, the police's wishes, and started putting them around the school again, I think they found fault with the Smolenskys mm-hmm. and that they thought, hey, look, we we specifically told you to quit doing this because you're making a bunch of problems for us. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's a difficult situation. It really is. 18 months after Billy had vanished, there was still no movement whatsoever on the case. The family acknowledged to the Waterbury observer that they believed that Billy was dead at this time. 
and that the Waterbury police acknowledged that they were out of leads. According to the newspaper, officially, the Waterbury Police Department hadn't ruled out any scenario regarding Billy's disappearance, although investigators seemed to be gravitating toward the suicide angle. Mm -hmm. They cited the fact that Billy had personal problems in the days before he disappeared, and they stated that it was unlikely that he had just run off, knowing that his Social Security number had not been used since his disappearance and his bank accounts were untouched. So a year and a half after Billy vanished, the Waterbury Police Department continued to say there was likely no foul play and that they felt that an accidental death was unlikely as well. This has to be pretty frustrating for the family. Well, yeah, because not only do they believe that the exact opposite happened, you know, that something terrible had happened to Billy, but his family was also convinced that police had dropped the ball on the investigation and they cite the following. That in the first 18 months, six detectives had come and gone on the case. More so, none of Billy's DNA had been entered into any kind of database. After Billy disappeared, the Waterbury police took his razor and his hairbrush to collect DNA samples. They also took blood samples from his family. These samples provided by the Smolenskys were lost. Of course, the Smolenskys were able to provide additional samples, but... What Jan ended up discovering was that the detectives working the case weren't familiar with CODIS, the FBI's laboratory, uh, laboratory's combined DNA index system. Right. CODIS, according to its website, enables federal, state, and local crime labs to exchange and compare DNA profiles electronically, effectively linking crimes to each other and to convicted killers and offenders. It enables investigators to identify remains, and to link DNA left at crime scenes with DNA already entered in the system. The fact that no one knew what it was, much less had attempted to enter Billy's DNA into CODIS, was very discouraging. Two years after Billy went missing, the Waterbury Police Department had still not managed to get DNA samples from the case into local, state, or national databases. Jan started to educate herself on missing persons protocols, information sharing procedures, DNA databases, and intra-agency communication methodologies. She was surprised to find a complete lack of any kind of coherent procedure for listing a missing person or sharing information regarding adults who, like Billy, just disappeared. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. 
With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. 
I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers. Cheers to you, Captain. I'm putting down the beer, picking up the booze. The first person in law enforcement to finally acknowledge that perhaps Billy had not disappeared voluntarily was the chief of the Waterbury Police. This is Neil O'Leary. About two years after his disappearance, O'Leary apologized to the family for his department's failure to aggressively investigate the case and he promised a reinvigorated investigation. In 2006, August of 2006, Billy's case had become cold, and the Waterbury police called in the FBI for help. The FBI agreed to assist in the investigation, and the family began to hope that this important shift would bring the results that they sought. In 2007, private investigator Mike Ward filed a Freedom of Information Act request for records of the Smolensky case in the possession of the Waterbury Police Department. The family, well, they were shocked at what this request would uncover. Mm -hmm. The police department records documented a Crime Stoppers tip detailing who murdered Billy and where he was buried. Specifically, the records revealed that in June of 2006, a tip was called into Crime Stoppers stating that Sean Karpriak, who is Madeline's son, this guy died in 2005 of a drug overdose, that he was the one that had killed Billy. Now, a confidential informant who police records indicated was named William Fassbender told police that back in October 2004, so two months after Billy's disappearance, that Fassbender was sitting at a Dunkin' Donuts restaurant with another man when the two of them spotted uh the missing persons picture of smolensky mm -hmm. that had been tacked up you know throughout the area fassbender said that he had once employed sean in his contracting business and fassbender remarked to the other man that was with him that that billy's case was quote too bad he said that the other man this is Dwayne mclean then told him, according to the police report, that Sean had killed Billy because Billy beat up Sean's mother, Madeline. Mm. McLean stated that Sean supposedly choked Billy and killed him when they were in Madeline's apartment. Sean then called his friend Jason Lee, and they buried Billy at a job site that Sean was working as a carpenter. This was in the White Hills area in Shelton. He stated that they dug a hole and buried Billy under a spot that concrete was poured over the next day. Fassbender directed police to the this area of Shelton. Right. And he says 
that he believed the story because Dwayne, Sean, and Jason, all three of the people that were mentioned in that report, they're all lifelong friends. So he believed that this was something that they would, you know, people that he would call upon when they needed something. Now, Sean died before he could ever be questioned. Interestingly, there is a Waterbury Police Department report dated August 2nd, 2005. So before they had received this tip about Sean killing Billy, police questioned someone named Stephanie, Sean's then girlfriend, specifically asking her if Sean had any beef with Billy. The interesting thing here, Captain, is the fact that in 2005, police were questioning somebody about possible foul play being involved in the missing person's case of Billy Smolinski, even before the tip actually had come in. As far as the 2006 Crime Stoppers tip about Billy being murdered by Sean, this would lead to several searches in that Shelton area for him. They, they used dogs. They were digging several holes. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these were all unsuccessful attempts to find Billy's body. Which this all makes sense on why then the mom would be going around town pulling down missing person flyers because she's then trying to protect her son that killed her ex-boyfriend. Well, and it's great that they're out digging in these areas and they're searching for Billy finally. But according to the private investigator, Ward, he believed that the police were looking in the wrong areas. And he believes that the police missed their mark, stating that the 2004 permits in Shelton for pouring concrete, these should have all been pulled, but Mm -hmm. they were not. I mean, we have this situation here, Captain, where this guy who we've received a tip about who may have killed this guy, may have killed Billy, he works in a line of work that would be easy for him to conceal the body. Yeah, put put him under a patio. Put him him in the ground in a place where we're going to pour lots of concrete the next day. Mm -hmm. Captain, just to be clear, we should mention just so no one gets confused Mm -hmm. that this son of hers, Sean is not the 14 year old that was going to move in with Billy. Okay. Uh, this was, we're not saying that the 14 year old is doing construction and digging holes and, and doing concrete work. Right. And, And regardless that all of those searches with that information that was provided to police regarding this lead of Sean having killed Billy, regardless mm-hmm. that those searches led to nothing, the key thing that we need to factor in here and take away from this story is that this is the first lead of Sean having killed Billy. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later that, that Sean, he, uh, he had OD'd. Right. So he's never, there's no opportunity to question this individual if he had in fact killed Billy and hid, hid the body. Right. Now the crazy then, thing. It, then you also wonder too, let's say this uh, Sean character was using drugs beforehand that after you murder somebody, your drug use might go up a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe one of the causes for the overdose. Well, so in 2010, the family announced its intentions to put up a billboard along I-84, a major highway mm-hmm. in Connecticut, featuring Billy's photo. And you and I have both seen pictures of this where the, they ultimately did so and they advertised a $60,000 reward in the case. Now, the FBI did pull out of the investigation in 2011 and the case was handed over to the Connecticut State Police. 
here's some weird things because after this transference of the investigation, there is a show. There's a show that came out on discovery ID that featured Billy's case. And a woman that had seen that show called, uh, into the Waterbury police department to report a tip. Okay. Okay. And she stated, Hey, after seeing this on TV, I realized something was going on at that time. And I recall having seen a white truck similar to Billy's. And I also recall seeing a small red car. They were both driving up a steep embankment in the woods behind her house late in August of 2004. She couldn't say the exact date just late in 2004, but this right. would line up with the time that Billy disappeared. Yeah, correct. She stated that this area cars never drove back there. Like you might see an ATV or something that's built for that terrain, mm. but never cars. And that's why it stood out in her mind. Okay. Billy had a white truck. Sean, the son who had died of the drug overdose, red car. He had a small red car. He had a small, uh, Ford, a red Ford escort. Mm-hmm. Now we know that he had this vehicle. Why he OD'd in his vehicle. He died in his vehicle. Mm-hmm. He was found when his body was found. He was found with three other men in his vehicle at the time. Now, one of these guys, this is Chad Hansen. In 2010, he was arrest, arrested for several different things. Yeah, this is a great group of fellas. Well, what's going to happen here, Captain, is they're going to now hear from Tra- Chad Hansen mm-hmm. a very similar story that they heard earlier. And this being that Sean had killed Billy and that Chad had helped him dispose of the body. So now let's be clear, though. This Chad dude is not one of the two other people that we've already mentioned mm-hmm. from a separate tip. Right, right. Now, Chad is going to get the police involved, and they are going to do a massive dig. This information triggered a massive dig. and So the guy that's claiming that his friend, Sean, Mm -hmm. the son of the ex-girlfriend of Billy, Mm -hmm. he's claiming that Sean killed Billy, and he helped dispose of the body. Right. And he is going to go to law enforcement and he's going to say, here's where we did it. And they're going to do a big search. I'm a little unclear on this, but I think there's a, the likelihood here is that Chad was already locked up for something else. Right. And I think once police received this tip about the red car and the white truck, they're like, okay, well, we've already talked to these other two survivors They didn't provide us with anything. So who else did this Sean guy know? Oh, well, we know that he knew these three dudes because they happened to be in the vehicle with him when he OD'd. Right. So they, they probably went and tried to find these people and question them. Well, I'm pretty certain Chad has a lengthy arrest record and conviction Mm, uh, list here. Is it safe to assume that he's a drug user as well? Yes. Yes. It's very safe. And, And it's likely that the three men that were in the, car with Sean when he was found, mm-hmm. there's a chance they might've been passed out or, you know, incapacitated at the time when this, when Sean died. Mm-hmm. So I find it, I, I couldn't find an exact statement to back this up, but my, what I did find leads me to believe that there's a very high likelihood that Chad was already locked up and police were able to go to him and say, look, all right, 
look, dude, what do you know about this situation? We keep hearing tip after tip and getting information after information that this Sean dude was involved in Billy's disappearance, that he killed him. They said, help me help you. So I don't know if it's one of those deals, Captain, where Chad then thinks he can work a deal, strike a deal with these guys. Hey, Mm -hmm. I didn't kill Billy. But I was aware that Sean did, and I helped him get rid of the body. And guess what? Here here we go. Here's the location where we can go find his body. And what this leads to is a massive dig. It triggers uh, this massive dig. And the terrible thing here is they end up finding nothing. This never reveals the truth. What it ends up doing is it ends up costing the state over $100,000 to to do perform this dig. Right. And this is something that I think it lasted 10 days. It was a large area. Well, at least, at least they're trying to get to the bottom. Of I mean, it, they, they brought in sonar and all kinds of stuff to try to pinpoint where he might be. And they never found anything. Well, and the problem is that you can't throw out this, let's say confession, right? Mm-hmm. You can't throw that out. You can't also throw out the tips before the problem is the people that are trying to tell you where possibly you can find Billy's body. They're, they're drug addicts. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't know. They, they probably don't even know what they did uh, two days ago. And I, I just found this in my notes and I do want to have to, I have to make a, an apology here. Mm-hmm. I keep saying Hanson. It could be Hanson S O N or S E N. I have it listed differently Hopefully. in my notes but here's well, the thing do not throw my hansen brothers the three hansen brothers under the bus according to according to this here uh this chad dude has multiple arrests and on top of some other charges he's been arrested 11 times on charges ranging from forgery to possession of narcotics assault burglary and resisting arrest so he's He's known to the police pretty well. Later, Chad would end up being charged with another charge, and this is for providing law enforcement with false information. Okay, and this is directly the result of the tip that he gave them of Sean having killed Billy and him having helped hide the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, To sum this up, though, we got to be smart here. This doesn't necessarily mean that police think that Chad and, and Sean had nothing to do with why we don't know where Billy is. Mm-hmm. This is simply pointing out that this guy led us on a wild goose chase where we spent over $100,000 and spent days and days and days of man hours. Right. And wherever you told us he was, he's not there. You've provided us with nothing. We're not saying you weren't involved in his disappearance. We're just saying the place that you told us he was, we've proved that he's not there. It's false information. And I wonder if they have to do that because they struck a deal with him before. And then therefore to offset that deal, you charge him with this. Probably that that's, that's a good assumption to make. The result would end up being Chad saying that, Hey, I had nothing to do with the disappearance of Billy. And I, and you know, he, he claims that still to this day, as far as I could find. Wait, so, so now he's claiming that he had nothing to do with it? Yes. yes. Uh, this guy's a real turd, Ferguson. Well, remember the drama involving the Flyers? Yeah. There, there's still, How can I forget? Right. There's still more of this. Because incredibly, in 2006, Madeline Gleason and B&B Transportation, they sued the Smolenskys. 
as well as John Murray. He's somebody who worked for the Waterbury Observer. They were sued for inflictions of emotional distress, defamation of character, and invasion of privacy. Madeline alleged that the Smolenskys knowingly, intentionally, and maliciously followed her, posted flyers in the vicinity of her workplace and home, photographed, videotaped, and threatened her. Photographed her and videotaped her acting like a real turd bag. So, okay. She claims that they put posters on her car and stalked her, uh, trespassed onto private property, and told people that she was a murderer. She claimed that the Observer ran photos of her and publicized information about her amounting to an invasion of privacy. Mm. The case against the Observer was dismissed in 2010 as found the paper was reporting on factual matters of public interest. But the case against the Smolenskys proceeded to trial. The Smolenskys did not deny that they believed that Madeline had information regarding their son, Billy, and that they intended to pressure her to cooperate with the investigation. Well, she's not going to cooperate because she's not going to, if this, the allegations against her son is true, she is not, especially now with the son being dead, she is not going to come forward and say that he was responsible for it. Captain, I see that we're, we're getting, we're getting tight on time here. And this yeah. is kind of a lengthy we're portion of the story. Kind of tight. Tight. Tight in the pants. Getting real tight in the pants. The shocking result of the first trial is that Madeline was, she won, and was awarded $52,000 in damages from the Smolensky family. Anyone that followed the case was obviously horrified in, at this ridiculous result. To sum it up for you, though, the Smolenskys, rightfully so, are going to appeal this. They lose the first couple of appeals, but in 2015, the Connecticut Supreme Court reversed the decision, citing, thank you, First Amendment freedom of speech with regards to the posting of the flyers and the burden of proof being on Madeline on the defamation of character charges, meaning, look, they're saying, we didn't say you were a murderer. You you can tell everybody that, you can tell the court that we called you a murderer, but we're saying we didn't. And the court is saying, if you're saying this is defaming your character, you have to prove that you haven't had any wrongdoing in Billy's case. Right, and I also think that anytime there's a character, quote unquote, brought into the court of law, I think you should have to prove that you actually have good character. She, from what we can find, does not. Right. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't find anything to say that she she does have good care. I mean, that's what I'm maybe, saying. I other think than he, maybe her work record. No, I think you should have to prove it. You have to prove that you're. It's there should be a law that makes you have to prove that you're not a piece of shit. Right. There should be a law. <laughs> These people were calling me a pos, and I cannot prove that I'm not. Right. So. Thankfully and rightfully so, it ends up getting overturned and the Smolenskys don't have to pay this woman a dime. What's crazy here though, Captain, and what I couldn't get over when I was digging into this thing and really sifting through the players and potential players involved and why this young man has disappeared. It's almost a similar situation to we saw in a recent case that we covered, Sean McDuffie Jr., yeah. Where once you really start getting into the people that knew him the most right before he disappeared, there seems to be some rumors 
amongst the group as to who could have been involved. On the surface, this thing really straight up looked like maybe Madeline and her, who she was running around with, Chris, were involved because Chris received the threat. It, but it's starting to look like like it, it's confusing because here we have this thing where Chris could have been involved. He still could have been involved, but he's never implicated by any of the tips that come in. Well, well, we know he's a liar. Here's what I also wonder, too, is did Billy actually commit any domestic violence against Madeline or was that just fabricated by Chris or fabricated by somebody else? Well, no. I mean, the way that the t- there is no... There's no evidence of it. There's no real proof of that. Right. The only And the only accusation we have comes from the result of Billy being murdered by Sean, mm-hmm. saying that, hey, he beat up my mom, so I choked him to death. Mm-hmm. And we don't have Sean here to question him about that. Here's a very interesting thing about that trial that they had, about going to court suing the Smolenskys for money because they harassed her or whatever. The interesting thing here is Chris Swanson, the, the, the married guy that she was running around with, mm-hmm. he had to take the stand during that. And so they questioned him during those court proceedings about what went on shortly around the time Billy went missing shortly afterwards and so on and so forth. What I found really interesting was in his testimony, he says that he was told by Madeline that the person that left that threatening message on his machine was in fact Billy. Remember he told police their police report that they took was he stated that, look, I don't know who left that message. Right. So interestingly enough, I think that those court proceedings prove that, you know, we already thought Chris Swanson was a liar. Mm -hmm. I think that court proceedings prove that either he lied in court when he said it, I was told it was Billy by somebody that knew him very well, or that he lied on the police report when he told the police, I don't know who that was. I didn't know that it was Billy. It seems like in this case that we, we know what the answer is. We just can't find the definitive proof. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the fact that they did such a, a extensive dig that that doesn't persuade them to go off these tips mm-hmm. and that actually persuades them to dive into these tips further and try to find the right location so we can find definitive proof of these allegations. Well, and understandably, this case has been unspeakably frustrating for the Smolensky family for all these years now. They know that Billy isn't coming home. Suspects have died. His dog, Harley, has died. We have to wonder, would the case have dragged on for so long if police had initially responded with urgency, efficiency, and purpose? As the Waterbury Observer put it, Law enforcement officers across the country go into a heightened state of alert if a child goes missing. The Amber Alert system allows for immediate interstate notification of a missing child. The media snap to attention when children or attractive young women disappear. But when a 31-year-old man goes missing, it seems like nobody cares except his family. Yeah. Sadly, several suspects have provided detailed information about what happened to Billy, and even though the stories contradict each other, they all have the same ending. Billy was murdered and his body was buried somewhere. 
The case has turned his parents into advocates for missing adults everywhere. That at least can be Billy's legacy. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks for sharing on social media. If you'd like to check out our show off the record, that's on Stitcher Premium. And for a free month of listening, you can go to stitcherpremium.com slash truecrimegarage and use promo code garage. And also you can find all of our old episodes on the Stitcher app, exclusively on the Stitcher app. A lot of people are asking me, how do I find the old ones? Well, in the left-hand corner, there's a date, I'll say Mm -hmm. 2000. 18 you there's a drop down menu so you got to pick the year 2015 or 16 or 17 and then you pick the episode from there so anyways appreciate you guys listening until next week be good be kind and don't litter They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.